Our scripture reading today is from Acts um, 28, verses 23 through 31. This is found on page 937 and 38 in your pew Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that one home as a gift from us. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning until evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much for welcoming us and reading God's word. Uh, My name is Paul Brandis. I'm the executive pastor here at the Brookside campus, and I'll add my welcome to Amanda's. Thank you for beginning your week uh, with us. We know that uh, you didn't have to do that, so thank you for being here. Uh, And before we dive in this morning, I have a very exciting announcement to make regarding our campus pastor, Bill, and his family. As many of you know, Bill's wife, Rachel, was pregnant with their third child, and I'm thrilled to report the birth of Graham Lewis Gorman. Yeah. And you, you heard me correctly, that's Lewis as a middle name, so uh, if you haven't been here long, then you haven't had time to learn yet just how much Bill loves C.S. Lewis, but now you know. Uh, loves C.S. Lewis enough to, to name, he didn't subject Lucy or Isla to that, so that's good, uh, but the first time he had a boy, he did it, actually Graham Gorman though, come on, that's pretty good. Uh, so everybody's happy and healthy, uh, the Gormans, big babies, 9 pounds, 11 ounces, uh, 21 inches long, everyone's doing really well, Lucy and Isla are of course wonderful and excited big sisters. Uh, he'll be back next Sunday. If you, if you want a chance to congratulate him before then, I think he's planning on sneaking in. Not, not Graham, but Bill is planning on sneaking into the congregational meeting tonight. So uh, you can come to that if you want to give him a hug and, and say congrats before then. Seriously, though, we would love to pray for the Gormans, a blessing over them, and a blessing over us as we open God's word. So please join me in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you uh, for the gift of, of new life. We're grateful for Bill and Rachel and their family and, and Graham, Lewis, Gorman. Uh, we also, I know there were other babies in our congregation that were born this week, Lord, so thank you for that. Uh, we pray for others who are pregnant now or trying to get pregnant or struggling with that or who have recently lost a baby. We know that there are both joys and struggles in this journey. Um, we're grateful for Bill and uh, his leadership in, in here in our church and in his family, and we pray for him and for all of them, the Gorman family, as they be, begin this transition from being a family of four to being a family of five. We pray a blessing upon us as well this morning, Lord. We believe deeply that uh, your word is you still speaking to us and that that is what will happen during this time, but we need your help to hear it properly. Uh, so I pray I would diminish and you would increase, and I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, confession time. I am a big 
big fan of good television. Anyone else out there with me? I'm not into this whole put the TV away thing. I'm like, if you got a good show, I'm all about it. Uh, I've got favorites that are more throwbacks. These are throwbacks for me, like Frasier or Seinfeld. And I like more recent hits too, like The Office or Parks and Rec. Currently, Ashley and I are anxiously awaiting for This Is Us to return. We can't be the only This Is Us fans in the room, right? It's been a great show. We're waiting anxiously because, of course, wouldn't you know it, season two ended with a massive cliffhanger. And don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it if you're still going to catch up in the next couple of weeks here. But of course it ended in a cliffhanger, right? I mean, cliffhangers have become incredibly common in TV, especially with the rise of binge-watching via Netflix or Hulu. And now it's not just seasons that end with cliffhangers, but seemingly every single episode ends with a cliffhanger, all designed to get you to just stay glued to that couch while the next episode does what? Starts automatically, right? Has anybody ever sat on their couch long enough where Netflix goes, are you still watching this? And you're like... <laughs> Oh, man, I, I guess I am. <laughs> sure, where's the remote? I lost it hours ago. But, but this is what cliffhangers do to you, right? I mean, I've got a love-hate relationship with them because, sure, they make for compelling, compelling television, but what if you don't have time to watch the next episode? What, or, or, or what if the season ends and it's still on network TV and you have to wait an entire summer to find out what happened? Or what if, gasp, the show gets canceled? Right? I mean, this has happened before. The show is canceled. And then there's no, you're hanging off the edge of the cliff with no hope of ever getting the resolution that you so desperately crave. All right, that's a little bit dramatic. But cliffhangers can be brutal, can't they? It's actually a lot like the book of Acts. Did, did you know? Did you know that the book of Acts is the original cliffhanger and all of these television shows are just playing copycat? I mean, maybe you caught it when Amanda was reading our passage for us this morning, but, but these are the final verses in the book. This is what everything has been building towards. And the Apostle Paul, who was in this passage that Amanda read, he's been a central character since Acts 9, and specifically the last few chapters have centered on his journey to Rome to appear before Caesar. The driving tension of the last third of this book can be captured in this question, what is going to happen to Paul? What's going to happen to him? Will Caesar see him? Will his accusers show up to provide testimony against him? Will he live? Will he die? Come on, Luke, don't leave us hanging. And then the last two verses of the book, verses 30 and 31, they read this way. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And you read that, and you're like, okay, that's cool, but what happened to Paul? What comes next? And so you turn the page, and you expect to get to the next episode, the next chapter, the next chapter, but, but no, it's the beginning of the book of Romans. Again, odd but true, the book of Acts, the original cliffhanger, which I think leads us to this question, why? Why does the book end this way? And we've been journeying through Acts for a long time, since the end of January, in fact. And one thing that we've discovered for certain is that Luke, the author of this book, is a thoughtful and intentional writer. There is, no, there is meaning and purpose behind his writing, editing, structuring. Make no mistake, this cliffhanger ending is no accident. So again, 
Why? And while we can't be 100% certain, I'm convinced it's because Luke wants to lead us to a particular takeaway from the book, a bottom line that positions us towards action and involvement. Why does Luke end the book of Acts in a cliffhanger? Because Jesus isn't done yet. Why does, G- Why does Luke end the book of Acts in a cliffhanger? Because Jesus isn't done yet. Yes, Paul has been an important character in Acts, central to the storyline, instrumental in the expansion of the message of Jesus to much of the known world, but he's not the main character. He's central, but he is not supreme. That title goes to Jesus and Jesus only. And so lest we forget that the book of Acts is about Jesus and his gospel message, Luke ends the book with a big fat question mark over the apostle Paul because it was never really about him anyway. And Paul would be the first one to agree with that. No, the big idea of Acts is about what Jesus is continuing to do through his church, and the big reminder of this cliffhanger ending is that Jesus isn't done yet. Friends, listen, I know we live in an increasingly secularized society. I know we live in a place where people seem increasingly indifferent or even hostile to the message of Jesus. But but Acts 28 teaches. These final verses in the book teach us, and really, isn't this our hope? Don't we have to believe, isn't it what we cling to, that Jesus isn't done yet? That's what these last verses teach us, that Jesus isn't done yet growing his family. He's not done building his kingdom, and he's not done sending his message. Growing his family, building his kingdom, and sending his message. First, Jesus isn't done yet growing his family. In verses 17 through 22 of our passage, Paul wastes no time. He isn't even in Rome for four days before he invites the Jewish leadership that's present in Rome to come and see him. Paul isn't sure what they might have heard of him, and he wants a chance to speak to them for himself. So they agree to listen, saying that they haven't heard anything about him, but that they have heard of this, quote, sect, Christianity, and they want to know more about it. And this leads us to verses 23 and 24 of our passage where Paul spends time doing what he has done over and over again in the book of Acts to this point. Preach Jesus and explain how he, Jesus, is the promised Savior the Jewish people have been waiting for. Those verses read this way. When they had appointed a day for him, the Jewish leaders came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning until evening he expounded them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Now, we can't miss the significance here of Paul starting yet once again by proclaiming Jesus first to the Jews. Because you see, if we're not careful, it's possible to strip Jesus of his Jewishness, but we lose something central if we do. God began his family with the Jews all the way back in Genesis 12 with the call of Abram and the promise that he would be a father to a great nation. And folks, from that nation comes more than half our Bible, the Old Testament, rules and regulations, history, poetry, all of it pointing to and anticipating the Savior of not just the Jews, but of the entire world, Jesus. Because that, 
Church was always the plan to start with one man, one family, one nation, but then to have that man, family, and nation be a blessing to literally everyone else. The whole world offered the free gift of salvation in Jesus. And so to strip Jesus of his Jewishness would be a grave injustice. It would be ripping out the foundation that our Christian faith is built upon, which is why which is why Paul continues to return to his Jewish brothers and sisters over and over again, even in the face of their broad rejection of the message of, Jew of Jesus. In Acts, repeatedly, Paul says again and again that he's done with the Jews, but he ain't really done. He can't quit it. Even in this passage this morning, what does he say in Acts 28, 20? It's beautiful. He says, I am in these chains for the hope of Israel. I love that. I am in these chains for the hope of Israel. And we can't miss it either because verse 24 of our passage, which I just read for us, makes it abundantly clear. Luke includes it on purpose. Some of the Jewish leaders were convinced. Some of them believe. Some of them surrender their lives to Jesus. Hope for ethnic Israel is not lost then or now because Jesus isn't done yet growing his family. And Jesus is growing his family through Jews who become convinced that Jesus was the Savior that they were waiting for. But that's not the only way that Jesus is growing his family. Because while some Jews were convinced, there were many others who were not. Acts 28 reminds us of this as well. Many of the Jewish leaders went away from Paul after he points back to Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 is a passage, an important passage in the Old Testament, which foretells of broad Jewish rejection of God's message. Isaiah 6 tells of dull hearts, it tells of deaf ears, and it tells of blind eyes. Isaiah 6 was first about the difficulty that the prophet Isaiah would have preaching God's message to God's people. And here in Acts 28, Paul picks up this passage and he applies it to what we have seen happen throughout the flow of the narrative of this book. Over and over again, some Jews believe, but many reject instead. And when the Jews reject, the door, thanks be to God, the door is thrown open wide. And it's thanks be to God because I am not Jewish. I am a Gentile, but the door is thrown wide open to non-Jews and an invitation is extended. Come and be part of the family. Jew or Gentile. It's beautiful. Acts 28, 28, the last words from Paul in this entire book. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Jesus isn't done yet growing his family. But now what's incredible is that this family contains all different kinds of people. Jews, Gentiles, black, white, brown, old, young, rich, poor, young, young and old, Americans, Iranians, North Korean, uh, North Korean, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> didn't quite have the rhetorical effect I wanted it to have there. This family includes everyone. And sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that we're a family, isn't it? Because all too often we don't act like we're one big family, do we? But making a huge family from every tribe and tongue was always God's intention. We've traced the origins of this plan back to Genesis, but we shouldn't forget either how the book of Acts begins. Acts 1, before Jesus ascends, when he is giving a final address to his followers, he promises that he will continue to grow his family, starting with the Jews in Jerusalem and not stopping until it reaches Rome, 
which in his day was considered the ends of the earth. Take a look at Acts 1.8, which reads this way, Jesus speaking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will tell of what you have seen in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is Luke's thesis statement. This is his here's what's coming next part of his introduction. And then it actually happens. God gets it done. Over the next 28 chapters, which we've spent the last eight months studying, God grows his family all the way to the center of the known world, Rome. Jesus grows his family despite opposition, despite rejection, despite beatings, murder, shipwrecks, snakes, stupidity, and more. Because Jesus isn't done yet. He's still growing his family. He's growing his family, but, but that's not all he's doing either. You see, Jesus is also not done building his kingdom. Jesus is still building his kingdom. Did, did you catch that in the passage? The kingdom of God, is a, it's a rare phrase in the book of Acts, but importantly, it begin, it is, we find it twice here in this passage, first in verse 23 and then in verse 31. And we also find it back in Acts chapter 1. It's an inclusio. It's at the beginning and it's th- at the end. Luke is saying this is an important theme. This is what is happening here. Jesus is not done yet building his kingdom. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, to quote the brilliant author and philosopher Dallas Willard, it's the rule of God where what God wants done is done. The kingdom of God is simply where what God wants done is done. The kingdom of God is where wounds are healed. It is where the prisoner is set free. It is where the broken is mended. It is where the children are reunited with their parents. It is where wrongs are made right. The kingdom of God is what Jesus lived and is what he preached. Luke 4.43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. It is for this purpose that I was sent. Jesus, I must preach the kingdom of God. There is no dichotomy between Jesus and Paul. Both of them proclaimed the good news message of the new radical accessibility to God's kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. And do you know what happens? Do you know what happens when more and more hear about the kingdom of God, the good news, grace-filled message about the kingdom of God? Do you know what happens? Because here's the thing. Every single one of us, we own a toolkit We've got our tools and we're building our own kingdoms. That's what we're doing. We're on a great kingdom building project, but it's not God's kingdom, naturally. You and I, we're building our own kingdoms, but the problem with our own kingdoms is that they crumble and fall. The kingdoms of this world do not last. My kingdom, your kingdom, any other kingdom other than God's kingdom does not last. It is only the kingdom of God that will exist forever. And so do you know what happens when more and more hear of the good news kingdom of God? We set down our tools. We we set down our tools and instead we we accept the invitation to enter into God's kingdom. And and miraculously, somehow, some way, because I know I don't deserve it, we get to pick up a different set of tools and we get to help God get done what he wants done. Jesus isn't done yet building his kingdom. We just have to stop building ours first. And accept the invitation to join his. 
Jesus is growing his family, he's building his kingdom, and he's also sending his message. Jesus isn't done yet sending his message. This is how the entire book ends. It ends with Paul welcoming all who come to him, Jew or Gentile, and preaching the message of Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. That's Acts 28, 31. Paul is in chains, and he is still exercising hospitality, throwing the doors of his house wide open and saying, come and hear about the good news message of Jesus and his kingdom. I don't even have people over when our house is messy. And Paul is in chains, and he says, come. Come and experience hospitality here. Come and experience the message, the only message that leads to life and life everlasting and life everlasting that begins here and now. And he does this. He proclaims it with boldness and he does it without hindrance, which those words, boldness and hindrance, they're fascinating, aren't they? We've heard a lot about them in this book. It is no accident that, that Luke can includes the book of Acts with these two words. We've heard about boldness all the way throughout. There's tons of examples of it. Maybe you have a favorite from our time in Acts. My favorite is from early in our journey, back in Acts chapter 4. Maybe you remember Peter and John are arrested by the high council, the Jewish high council. These are the same leaders that condemned Jesus to death. Peter and John, are they're arrested. They are told, stop preaching Jesus' resurrection. Stop doing it. Again, remember, months earlier, these were the same men that riled up a crowd that eventually put Jesus on the cross. And here are Peter, and here are John, and remember, they scattered, didn't they, the night that Jesus was arrested. And now they're in the very same room with the very same men, and they are being told, stop preaching in his name. And here's what Peter says. Bold. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak of what we have seen or heard. Boldness. But hindrances too throughout this book. Or at least we've heard of circumstances that should have hindered the message of Jesus. Arrest, imprisonment, riots, beatings. Stephen, the first Christian who was killed for proclaiming bold witness of Jesus. Or think about everything that Bill preached about last Sunday in in Acts 27. All of the so-called supposed hindrances to Paul getting to Rome. Storms, shipwrecks, snakes, stupidity. But through it all, through all of the opposition, through all of the hindrances, what Luke writes about here in Acts 28, 31 holds true. These things should have stopped the message of Jesus, but they didn't. And it continues even now to this day unhindered, unchained. Because that's the irony, isn't it? Of Paul being in Rome, preaching the message of Jesus without hindrance while he is literally hindered wearing chains on his body, he is hindered, but the message of Jesus isn't. And that's why we've named this journey through the book of Acts, Sent. It's the title for our entire series, because Jesus sends his church with his message of freedom, love, grace, and salvation, and the cliffhanger ending at the end of Acts 28. It's an invitation for you and I to say, are we going to keep being sent? They were sent, and now we are sent here today. Because he isn't done yet. We're in Kansas City in 2018. We are miles and centuries away. And yet, and yet, Jesus and his message are still on the move. 
reaching more, saving more. I mean, just take a look. addiction controlling me um, took me a long time to realize it but there was one constant there and that was Jesus's love put away the world and everything in it and I just I want everyone to know I live for him of applause, yeah. I mean, do you see why I say Jesus isn't done yet? So here's a question 
for us this morning, for you this morning. Will you join us as we join him? Will you join us as we join him? Christ community is not a perfect church, far from it. But we are doing our best by the power of the Spirit to be faithful to our mission, which is but a small sliver of the great and grand mission of God. The mission of God, his reclamation project of this broken and groaning world. God is on a mission to bring all things and all people back to himself. And he is doing that by sending his church, of which we are one. Our mission at Christ Community has been the same from the very beginning, 29 years ago. To be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and world for Jesus Christ. Will you join us as we join him? What are you waiting for? We have our annual congregational meeting tonight here at the Brookside campus at 6.30. We've never gotten to host before. I'm so excited. If you're a member, be here. Your church family is gathering. Hopefully the Chiefs game will be over. (laughs) If you're not a member, come and check it out anyway. See what we're all about. And then join us. The next membership class is Sunday, October 28th. The details and sign up are on the website. Will you join us as we join him? Listen, church, member or not, there is one thing that I know if you are a follower of Jesus, and we, we have said this to you before during this series, but I'm going to say it again. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent. It's not as though there are followers of Jesus who are sent and those who are not sent. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent to your family, to your friends, to your neighborhood, to your place of work. You're sent. It's why we made up these these magnets for you. We've got a picture of one on the screen. We made these for you. We've been in Acts for such a long time. We wanted to highlight it with a take-home piece. Mark our time at the ending here with with something, a a token that you can take with you to to remember what we've been doing these last eight months. I'm sure at times as we've been in the book of Acts, chapters 1 through 28, it's felt like a marathon. But even though this teaching series is over, we know this, right? The work is not done yet. So where are you sent to? I I, I am sent to my family. I am sent to my work, to my neighborhood. I am sent to be faithful, to be fruitful, to be bold. Where are you sent to? Grab one of these on your way out and, and be thoughtful. Think it through. Pray it through. Write something down and then, and then put it somewhere that you're going to see it. Put it on the bathroom mirror. Put it on the fridge. Put it near your desk at work. For me, with this magnet, as I knew we were doing this and I was thinking about what goes in my blank white space, I thought of a couple things. I'm a parent, right? I, I talk about my sons, Bevan and Owen, a lot. And I never want to forget that I am sent to them. We deeply believe here at Christ Community that the the most powerful influencers in the lives of our children are their parents in, in faith and in more ways than one. But it can be easy for me to forget I am sent to Bevan. I am sent to Owen. So I thought of that. I also thought of our neighbor Austin. He just moved in with his daughter, his five year old daughter, a couple of months ago. I don't know where he's at with Jesus. But his daughter and our boys, they've hit it off. I'm thinking about Austin. I am sent to Austin. Where are you sent to? Where are you sent to? Use this magnet as a reminder of your sentness, 
as a reminder of all that Jesus has done and will do in and through you. And as a reminder of all that Jesus has done and will do in and through us, he's not finished yet, even though the book of Acts is done. Jesus isn't. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful that you're not done because we know there is more work to do yet, Lord. I know there are many in my life who I love who do not yet know you. I pray for those people now, Lord. We all pray for those people now, for the names and lives that are coming to our minds as we think about who we might be sent to, as we think about where we might be sent, our places of work, whether that's at the home with kids or in an office or uh, working um, any other place, Lord. We have been sent. Help us to go by the power of the Spirit with this message of Jesus, this good news message of of accessibility and entrance into the kingdom of God, help us, Father, to be sent for your honor and glory. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.